Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 16. It says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see light. For there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and there's nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to him, but uh, they were not able to get near him because of the great crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put them into practice. So our text this morning is, is closely tied to our text from last week. In Luke's mind, this is a continuation of the same story. This is a continuation of the same principles that we're to take the word of God and we're to put it into practice. That's what good soil is. And it leads to to great production according to to Luke. And and so here he's carrying over this this same thought about about, uh, doing God's word and the the production that comes. And and, uh, because this story is so similar to to last week, because of the close ties, I I just want to attack it the same way. So last week we had a banner statement, everything pointed to, and I just want to do the same thing this week. And kind of here's the truth that will frame all the context of our conversation this morning, right? It's right here, uh, and it's in your sermon notes if you got those. This is the truth I want you to, if you walk away with one thing, let it be this. Obedience to God's word is the key to spiritual abundance. Obedience to God's word is the key to spiritual abundance. Now, within that, I've just got two things to share with you. They each hopefully point to this truth that we found here in the scriptures. And here's the first thing I want you to see this morning, is that obedience leads to a greater understanding of scripture. Obedience leads to a greater understanding of Scripture. And that may seem like a foreign concept for you. I think it is for most of us. I don't think most Christians have ever heard this. And and, and so I I just want to teach it to you. It's found here in in verse 18. Now remember in verse 21, Jesus shows us what what he's talking about. He's talking about listening. and, And listening for him is always about hearing and doing. It's never, Jesus never talks just to talk. He, he always has this expectation that you're going to do what he says, okay? And, and, and so uh, I just want you to see this in verse 18. It says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. How you listen. Consider carefully how you listen. And he says, whoever has will be given more. Whoever has will be given more. Consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. What on earth does that mean? What, what does that mean? That's the question we should ask when we read this text. What does that mean? What is Jesus talking about? Whoever has is going to be given more. Well, we've we got to frame the context of the whole conversation. He says, now listen. Now listen. Now, what did he just tell us a story about? He just told us a story about the good heart. And what is the good heart? The good heart is, is the one that listens, right? It's eager to hear. It's willing to change. And it's determined to put into practice. And that heart is the one that produces a great crop. And, and how, how great is that crop? 10,000% return on investment. 10,000%. A hundredfold, right? And that's what verse 18 is talking Jesus is still talking about listening to the word of God. And, and, and when Jesus says, you hear me, that's what he's saying, listen. Every time Jesus says that phrase in the Bible, just, just mark this down, he always expects that you're going to do what he says. He always expects that you're going to do what he says. And, and I don't want you to think I'm crazy, so let me prove it to you. Okay, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7. Because I know what you're thinking. No, he doesn't. That's not what Jesus means. Uh Uh-uh. Because Jesus said something about my thoughts one time, and he did not expect me to deal with that. 
No, no, I'm not there yet. No, no, he actually meant it. So Matthew 7, uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus speaking, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and he puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He put, puts them into practice. And what does our text here say? It says in verse 21, right? My brothers and sisters are those who what? Hear God's word and put them into practice. Jesus never talks just to be uh, talking. He always expects that somebody hears what he says and, and, and puts it into practice. James 1.22, guys, is part of, of our mission as a church. Love God, love people, do something. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So when Jesus speaks, he actually expects us to do something about what he's saying. So therefore, um, verse 18 must mean whoever hears the word of God. It says whoever listens. He, Jesus is, is, is intending that whoever listens is actually doing what it says. Therefore, verse 18 means those that do what God's word says, those that hear it and do it, those will be given more. Those will be given more. A.K.A. whoever does what it says, the little bit that they have put into practice... Whoever does the little bit that God has given them, God will give them more. God will give them more insight into Scripture. God will give them more meaning. God, God will walk them through it. They're going to be given more. They're going to be given more revelation from God. They're going to be given more understanding of who God is and, and what God wants them to do. This is what Oswald Chambers wrote about. I don't know if you know Oswald Chambers wrote like the great devotional. Some think it's the greatest devotional ever called My Utmost for His Highest. Listen to this quote from Oswald Chambers. He says, The golden rule for understanding in spiritual matters is not intellect. Some of us need to circle that in our notes. (laughs) The golden rule for spiritual understanding is not our intellect. It's our obedience. It's our obedience. That's what sets it apart. In John chapter 7, Jesus is talking to some people. And uh, he's talking to a crowd of Jews. And and, and basically he's saying, You want to know how, um, you want to know whether what I'm saying is from God or not? Ready? Here's the test. John 7, 17. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. A.K.A., Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to know if what I'm teaching is God's will, do it. Do it. By doing it, you will know better the heart of God. By doing it, you'll know better the heart of God. Guys, obedience makes us more sensitive to the things of God. It helps us know the realities of of God in ways that mere study cannot. So I'll give you um, the worst example possible, okay? I I literally thought this to myself. I said it in the first service. You guys pay me way too much to come up with such poor examples, okay? But I had nothing else. This is all I could come up with, okay? So uh, here it is. Please forgive me, and and let's pray to Jesus that some spiritual application comes out of this. Uh, Please, Lord, uh, be glorified. Uh, I I don't like our dryer at all. Like, I I, I pretty much despise my dryer. I'm not a real big fan of my washer either. Um, And and we, we, like, we we bought, and not that I, I mean, I like what they do, and I can use them. I just, I really don't like them. And uh, we bought, uh, it was a new model of an older version, and the new model has all kinds of faults and flaws. So our dryer has broken, like, a million times, okay? Uh, Maybe I'm overstating it a few, but it's broken several times. And the first time it broke, we kept getting these um, ridiculous, it's all, you know, electronical and mechanical and has all these kind of uh, error settings and so I had to get out the book and read what the air was. But here's what happened. All the clothes were soaking wet, but really hot. Right? 
Ever had that happen? Like you open up, you're like, oh my gosh, these are the hottest. Wet. Like if you wanted a, a hot towel treatment, that was my dryer. Like it was ready for it. It was a spa waiting to happen, right? And so, but that's not awesome when you actually want to wear the clothes. And so cool for the spa, not so cool for the house. And so um, I, I, I get out the manual and it shows me nothing. I was like, oh, well, that's awesome. So uh, I Google it, which is what you do today, and um, I find out that there's a major malfunction in this model of our dryer. And what happens is, there is a, there's, a, there's a little um, knob that holds the pulley at the bottom of, of the blower, and you need the blower to work in order for the stuff to get dry, by the way. So the heater is working, it's getting things hot, but there's no blower. If you can't blow the air out, the things will never get dry. So, so what happened is this thing just, just un, undid itself, and so the pulley came off, and the belt came off, and the little knob came off. And so I Google it, I find this forum. I'm in a dryer forum, for crying out loud, is how broken my life is, right? And in the dryer forum, I figure out that what has happened is this thing has come undone. And so I read, and I pull all the stuff, and I'm like, I, I still don't know even where the, where, where the belt's supposed to go. And they said, no, reach around down there somewhere, and you'll find the thing. And sure enough, I reach in, and through the lint, there's a little metal piece. And I pull it out, and I go, oh, well, that's where the belt would go. Duh. Okay, so then I have to get out. Now, now, to do that, I've taken part of it, but I still can't get to it. So I have to get out the instruction manual. Now, this first time to fix this problem, I will lie to you not, okay? I'm not, I'm not a proud guy. I, I, like, don't call me to fix your car. I, I'm not that guy. Um, you know, I, I might be able to jumpstart it. I, I put in a new battery a couple weeks ago. I was pretty proud of myself. Um, you know, didn't electrocute myself, which I thought that was awesome. But I have really good life insurance, so it's a little sad for my, my wife and kids. But um, so... Uh, about two and a half hours to fix a belt in a dryer, okay? I'm not proud. About two and a half hours, first time, okay? Finally, because I kind of took the whole thing apart, but we won't get into that. But anyway, I put it all back together, minus a few pieces, and it worked fine. It was awesome. And it worked awesome for about um, six to eight months, and then it happened again. But you know what? The second time, because I had read how to fix this, you know the second time was so much easier. And you know how long it took me the second time? About 30 minutes. It took me about 30 minutes the second time because I, I, had, I, had, I had read the instructions. I had obeyed the instructions. I had an inner working knowledge of that dryer that I would, had never had. I, I had read the stuff before and it didn't make any sense. But when you start taking it apart, you see how it all works together and how it fits. And, and in that act of obedience, I learned so much. So when the dryer finally broke, like three months ago, I mean, broke, broke. Like, like, like the belt around the whole drum didn't work and all the, all the little, like, I don't know, pulley wheel things were off. I had to order the assembly. And I ordered the assembly because I'm cheap. And I fixed it myself. And I did the whole repair in less than an hour. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> now listen. If all I had ever done was read the manual, there is no way that I would have ever fixed the dryer. There's no way that I would have had an intimate knowledge of this stupid machine. But I did. And with every time I, I opened it up, and with every time that I, I, I listened to the instruction and did what it said, I learned more and more and more about the inner workings of that machine. So, so let, let me, let me just, just tell you, guys, when it comes to the things of God, when we put into practice the word of God, when we actually do what he says, we gain an understanding of the working of God that we cannot gain from mere study. It's an experiential knowledge of the character and the person and the goodness of God that you can't get from sitting on the sideline. And that understanding, that working knowledge, 
when you step out in obedience and you do it, it just leads to more and more intimate knowledge, more and more knowledge of the inner workings of the person of God. Okay? So we, we, we start here with this, this first great truth. Obedience leads to greater understanding of God's word. Now, I want to share with you the other side of the coin. Because if that's true about obedience, why don't we talk about disobedience for a second and what it does. See this with me this morning. Disobedience. Disobedience makes us deaf and dumb to the word of God. And it can even make us doubt what we know. Disobedience makes us deaf and dumb to the word of God. And it can even make us doubt what we know. This is, again, verse 18. It's kind of the second half. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen and do, remember, because whoever does that is going to be given more. But whoever does not, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. So, what is disobedience? What, what, what is disobedience? If, if we hear the word of God, but we don't heed it, if we don't do it, what is that? Well, friends, the Bible says that's sin. If we hear the word of God, but we don't heed it, if we know the word of God, but we don't do it, the Bible says that's actually um, sin, James four seventeen. It says, if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do, and then doesn't do it, it's sin for them. And this isn't just about the big black and white stuff, guys. This is about the Holy Spirit of God revealing something to you individually, and if you don't do that thing that the Holy Spirit tells you, it may not be sin for everybody else, but it will be sin for you. Now, let's talk about this for a second. So we have some friends um, that, that they, they have a conviction. Now, it's a conviction. They don't put that conviction on anybody else, but their conviction is that for them, rated R movies aren't appropriate in their life. Okay? That, 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 that's for them. Now, I, I'm, I'm not telling you that that's the case. The Bible doesn't say, hey, rated R movies are a sin. But for them, that's the case. So if they, because that's a conviction that God has given them, were to do that for that couple, that's a sin. Because that's what God has told them hey, this is not what I want you to do. But it's not a sin for you if that's not your conviction, right? Because nowhere in the Bible does it say, hey, that's the case, all right? Guys, when we know God has spoken to us and we choose not to do what God has said, that is sin. That's what disobedience is. Disobedience is when God reveals something to you and you go, nah, not for me, God. That's sin, that's sin. Now, now what does sin do? We talked about this last week. Sin desensitizes us to the things of God. Right? That's what sin does. It hardens us. It, it calluses us is a word that the Bible uses. It desensitizes us to the things of God. It desensitizes us to what is right and what is wrong. It, it desensitizes us to what is good and what is evil. Sin makes it so we no longer feel about things the way that God feels about things. That's what sin does. So, so listen, what I'm telling you is sin makes you numb. But this morning, what I'm also telling you is sin makes you dumb. Sin doesn't just make you numb. Sin also makes you dumb to the things of God. If, if great obedience, verse 18, leads to great spiritual understanding, then the opposite is also true. Disobedience actually does the opposite. According to our text, the person who does not obey will lose even what they know. So let's ask some questions here. Anybody here this morning ever, ever um, struggled with sin in their life for a season, right? It's always a season, isn't it? It's never once. We always want to convince ourselves it's once. Like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I messed up that one time. And God's like, really? Because it's been going on for months, right? 
So you struggle with sin for a season. That's what happens. We tend to fall into it. Sin is addictive. You need to know yourself. You're an addictive person, even if you don't think you are. So sin is addictive. So we fall into a sinful behavior, and and, and we get in it. And what happens? How do we feel as a result of that? Has anybody found themselves in a season of sin, and then they began to question their salvation? Raise your hand. This is church. Like, look around. Raise your hand. Be honest. Like, I've, I've, I've been a sinner before, and I've actually questioned myself. Come on, hands up. We need to look around. Iron sharpening iron. It's church. All right, honesty, okay, there we go. Now, why is that? Why is it that, that we, can, we can struggle in our spiritual performance and forget the spiritual truths that got us saved? Why, why is that? Because that's all that is, right? Because to be saved, to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you have to understand that there's no amount of spiritual performance you can do to be good enough for God, right? I mean, that's the heart of the gospel. We're not good enough. We can't be good enough. God is perfect. God is holy. And we're not. And so we know inherently when we accept Christ that we are are people that cannot perform to holiness and that we need a Savior. That's what we know. Like, what I'm saying is you have to believe Ephesians 2.8 to be saved. You don't have to know the verse, but you gotta believe, um, you, you gotta believe the context. So Ephesians 2 8, right? For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You have to have a grasp on that in order to be saved. You have to know there's nothing that you can do um, to earn God's favor, that, that, that rather God has loved you and God has graciously saved you, right? So we have to know that we're not saved by spiritual performance. We're saved by God's loving act of grace. By the way, that verse doesn't say you're saved by faith either. It says you're saved by grace. Faith is the vehicle by which you fell into God's grace, which is unchanging. That means when your faith wavers, your salvation doesn't waver. Because it wasn't your faith that saved you. It was the grace of God that saved you. The unwavering grace of God. Now, now why are these things important? So let's, so let's just follow. So when we act in disobedience, when we disobey the word of God, when we sin... Okay, we have these seasons of sin. And what does that do? It takes the things that we one time knew to be sure, right? We knew that we weren't saved based on our spiritual performance. But sin will take that, that truth that we once knew and it'll make us forget it. It'll make us dumb to it. And we'll honestly start to question whether or not we're saved. That's what disobedience does. Disobedience makes us dumb to the things that we once knew. That's what verse 18 is saying. It's a, he, 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 even, even he who doesn't do it, Whoever has will be given more. He who does not, who, he who doesn't walk in obedience, even what he thinks he has is going to be taken from him. Even what he thinks he has is going to be taken from him. That's why disobedience to God's word does. It makes us deaf. It makes us dumb. It desensitizes us to the word of God. It even makes us doubt the things that we once knew. So understand, like, is that weighty for you? It should be a little heavy. Is that heavy enough? Like that obedience kind of matters, right? We should write that down, right? Obedience matters. That should be the the heart of the lesson. So if that's the truth of God's word, that obedience really matters that much in our our spiritual walk, if obedience really has this much of an impact, then then we we should do something, okay? And so I'm going to give you uh, just some application and we're going to be done. And and, and here it is. Number one, I want to challenge you um, because of this truth that you need to be ready for the test. Okay, you need to be ready for the test. So we, we uh, read from Oswald Chambers earlier, my utmost for his highest. I just want to continue. Um, that's from like one day in his really awesome journal. So, so continuing from that same day, um, I, I want to share this with you again. He says, no man ever receives a word from God without instantly be putting, uh, being put to the test over it. When God speaks to you, what does he expect? Does God ever talk just to talk? 
When God talks, he expects what? Obedience. If we disobey, we become numb and dumb to the things of God. If we obey, we we get a greater knowledge of the things of God. We go deeper with God. We progress with God. We become productive in God, right? And so here's what's at stake every time you open your Bible. Every time you read, every time you pray, every time you attend church, here's what's at stake. Are you passing the immediate test? Are you pa- This is why churches have invitations, by the way. It's not just because we like programming. It's not like, well, how do we wrap up that? I guess we'll have somebody play a guitar for a while and see if somebody cries, and then we'll say amen and go home after we take your money. Believe it or not, that's not how we think about programming. That's not the point. The point is that God's word always deserves a response. Because immediately you're going to be tested. And in a moment, you're going to be tested. Am I going to obey or am I going to disobey? Is there some area in my life that I've got to, I've got to step into obedience or do I need to walk away? Like, like in a moment, you're going to hit that point. And so I'm just going to tell you, be ready for the test. This isn't a pop quiz, folks. I'm telling you right now, you're going to have a test every time you open your Bibles. Ready? I mean, just write that down somewhere. Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. It's not like you wandered into your college class and like, oh my gosh, there's a test today. I did that. That was my college career. That's what happens when you don't go to class very often. (sighs) Be ready for the test. Chambers goes on and he says, when we're not, when when we come into the hearing of God's word and then we choose not to obey, we typically wonder why we're not progressing spiritually. Okay? So be ready for the test. Just know it's coming every time you open your Bible. Every time you open your Bible, every time you're in church, it's coming. Number two, uh, I, I love Bob Goff. I'm a Bob Goff fan, by the way. I like unapologetic. I've, I, I, we read Love Does as a staff. I'm the idiot that found his phone number in the back of the book and actually called him and was like, hey, what's up, Bob? It was really cool. You can do that. It's very nice. Uh, this is one of his sayings, his favorite sayings in the book. Get some skin in the game. Get some skin in the game. It, it means do something. It means o- obey, right? E- even the littlest thing is, is what I would, I would say to you. Can, can I ask you a question? What's the last thing that God told you to do? What's the last thing you clearly remember him telling you to do? Maybe for some of you in this room, he clearly told you, like years ago, I need you to get up earlier and read my word. Like that was the last thing he told you, and you've never done it. You're still not walking in obedience. You're wondering, why, why, why is my face so stalled out? Why do I feel like God is so far away? Why do I feel like God doesn't care about me or that I don't know God? I don't feel like I'm progressing in my faith. What's the last thing he told you to do? What's the last thing he told you? It can be a small thing. Maybe he said, there's somebody in your life you need to forgive, right? And you still haven't done it, and you're wondering, why, why am I stalled out? Because you haven't, been, you haven't been obedient in even the smallest thing he's shown you. Maybe that small thing was, hey, hey, you need to step up. You need to join a church, some church. You need, you need to be baptized or, or you need to get in community. You need to get in community. Friends, God didn't create you for isolation. That's the devil's game. The devil wants to isolate you and keep you away, make you feel like you were the only person here that is struggling with whatever you're going with. That's the devil's game is isolation. God made us for community. Go read the book of Acts and how the church started. The church did life together. And, and, you know, I, I've, got, I've got friends in this church I love with all my heart, and they are struggling with the concept of biblical community. It's not natural to them. They, they, they've never allowed anyone into their life. They've never allowed anyone to see their hurts or their flaws or their pains. They've always kind of kept a, a good veneer on, on the surface. So everybody thinks that everything is fine, which means I make them very uncomfortable. <laughs> and so, so the invitation to them is the same invitation that you have. Get in biblical community. 
Because Sunday morning, this thing, worship, this is great, but it is not enough. Because if you leave this place and you don't have any accountability in your life and you don't have anybody that knows you and you don't have anybody that's praying for you and nobody knows that you're, you're in the rut right now, then nobody can pray for you. And I'm going to be honest, somebody needs to do the heavy lifting in my life because I stink at this thing called life. Like I do. And so I have to be in community and I have to pour my guts out to people. And yeah, it's not always fun, but you'll get used to it. It's important. Maybe that's what God showed you. I, I don't know what God has told What's the last thing God told you to be obedient in? Just get some skin in the game. Just be obedient in that one thing and see if in that one little act, you don't learn to understand more about God than any of the last Bible studies you've been in for months. You will learn more about God when you experience him through obedience than you can from study. Okay? Do what he says. Do what he says. Get some skin in the game. And lastly, uh, I, I want to challenge you just finally to cling to God's word. Okay? So um, when you're disobedient, you get dumb, right? When you're disobedient, you forget. And here's some of the things that we forget in our sinfulness, in our disobedience to God. Some here this morning have forgotten whether or not you're saved. Some of you here this morning, um, you have forgotten whether or not you're loved. Some of you here this morning, you have, you have forgotten the fact that you're not alone. Some of you here this morning, you have forgotten the fact that you're forgiven. And you say, well, what do, what do I do? Like, if you're there and you've bought into the lie because you've been walking in disobedience. I, I counseled somebody this week, and in love, I, I, I shared with them John 14, 6. John 14, 6 is, is one of those key passages you need to know. Jesus says, John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the lie. I, I'm the truth. God's word is the truth. We have to have an unmovable standard that we can always turn to no matter how we feel. And that's called the Bible. That's called the word of God. And so when Jesus says something, he means for us to obey it. When he says it, it's also true. And, and so, for instance, this, this person I was counseling with, and, 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 and they, they, they felt like they were um, unlovable. They, they, they honestly, they, they, didn't, they just didn't feel special. And I go, you don't feel special? You, 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 don't, you don't feel like anyone loves you. You feel like you need to go find that love in the arms of somebody that, that, that honestly doesn't respect you. Can I just share something with you? Listen to what the Bible says. Here's the truth. Because we've got to go back to the truth. I share that verse. So what is the truth? I know how you feel, but what's the truth? Here's the truth. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. That's the truth, Right? And the person says, but I just feel so alone. And I said, okay, I know how you feel, but what is the truth? God says he will never leave you or forsake you. That's the truth. That you're not alone no matter what you feel. Here's the truth that Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father acting as your advocate. That's the truth. That right now Jesus knows every trial you face. He knows every thought you've had. He knows knows your struggles. And he's pleading on your behalf in prayer to God. That's, That's the truth of that right there. That's the truth. So, so I know how you feel. What is the truth? We've got to have a standard that we go back to. And, and, and friends, I, listen to me. Um, I love you, but you're going to disobey at some point. At, at some point, you're going to be deaf and dumb and, and, and numb. At some point, it's going to happen. And when it happens, you've got to have some place you can always return to and go, oh yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. I am saved. I am loved. I'm not alone. I am forgiven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We've got to believe that. We've got to live that, okay? I'm going to invite you to pray with me this morning, and then we're going to move in to a dangerous time. Uh, it's dangerous for, for many of us here because it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's dangerous here because it's, it's your, first, your very first test, having learned the importance of obedience versus disobedience. 
And so I, I'm warning you now, I'm, I'm going to say amen in a moment, and the test is going to start. You don't need a number two pencil, and you don't need a Scantron, but you do need an honest heart before the Lord. And so let's, uh, let's pray this morning, if you don't mind. Father, uh, we love you, and God, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the fact that it is truth. Uh, we thank you for the fact, I pray that you have used it this morning. Uh, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you've done some work in, in, in the depths of who we are. God, that's what we need. That's what we need. Father, um, reveal to us right now, where is it that we stopped, God? Where is it that we've been stuck? Because so many people here, Lord, the truth is they are hurting. They're faking it really well. But they're not content in their spiritual walk with you. They're not experiencing abundant life. They're just, everything's okay. But Jesus, you didn't die and take the sins of the world upon yourself so we could be okay. (laughs) We should be killing it. So God, just point out to us, where is that last place that we stopped? And he said, I'm sorry, no more. Was that last act that we were disobedient in? Reveal that to us right now so we might deal with it. Jesus, in your name we ask. Amen.